You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. Well, good morning. Hey, I have just really loved this series and um, just loved um, having you all here um, and being able to preach on these things. I guess that's what you call what I do, preaching. Um, Hopefully not at you, but kind of with you. But um, today, we're talking about prayer. Um, We'll get into that, but I think then it's very appropriate to start with prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, I just thank you so much for the encouragement that I get from this church, from all the people who are gathered here, the new and those who've been here since our beginning two years ago and even prior to that, Lord, thank you so much for this fellowship. But more than that, Lord, thank you for the riches that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you give us the privilege to pray, the opportunity to be in fellowship with you, communing with you all the time. When we're aware of it, when we're not aware of it, you are here with us. We don't get away from you. And thank you, Lord, we never will get away from you. I pray this day for your church, not just this fellowship, but the church, the one church throughout this community um, in many expressions. We thank you, Lord, for all those who are gathered. We're asking, Lord, that you would move us in such a way together that we would lift up one voice to you and that you'd move us in such a way together, that you'd work in us in such a way that you would be glorified and we would see explosive growth throughout this community of your people where hearts are turned to you, where healing takes place in relationships, where uh, new friendships are formed, but mostly where our alienation or rebellion or brokenness or whatever it is, Lord, that's between us and you, that that would be healed, that there would be reconciliation. So we pray for our neighbors, for our friends, for all those who are far off and those who are near, that you would do that work and bring it about, Lord, just a little of it at least through us here at Thrive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, pray it up. Um, One common factor... Uh, When you study uh, different movements of God's Spirit, different movements of Christianity, and the explosive growth that's happened from the book of Acts that we see already in the book of Acts itself, but every other movement throughout the history of Christianity for the last 2,000 years, there's been one common factor that keeps coming up, and that is a time of intense personal and corporate prayer precedes that. Time and again, okay? And so we see that in the book of Acts. When we've been studying, we saw that even from the first week when we looked at Look Look Up, where the disciples gathered together and waited for the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were praying as they were waiting. And then in Acts chapter 2, that verse that we're, well, kind of probably tired of hearing, 2, 42 to 47, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer as another example of that. Beyond that, then, as well, we see that when the church got together through the hard times and the good times, it didn't really matter. They were about prayer. For instance, in Acts chapter 4, just a couple of 
chapters later, after everything was going so great at the beginning, all of a sudden, Peter and John had been preaching in the temple. They heal someone there. And then the Sanhedrin, that is the religious leaders of the Jewish people, are upset. They arrest them because they are preaching about Jesus and the resurrection. They beat them. They throw them in prison. They bring them before um, on trial for their lives. And Peter and John proclaim that there is no salvation found in heaven on earth except through the one name of Jesus, and they're going to keep doing it. And Gamaliel kind of walks in. I don't know. You can read this story. And he says, hey, if this is of God, it's going to grow, and there's nothing you can do about it. And if it's not, let it fade away. There's other things that have faded away. Well, Peter and John are released, and they come back after being beaten and persecuted and threatened with their lives, you know, don't ever talk about Jesus again. And they come to the church, and the church gets together, and they have a time of intense corporate prayer in Acts chapter 4, where it says this. At the end of the prayer, after they kind of lift all this up and say, this is what's been going on, God, and they put it in this big picture, they say this, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Notice what they prayed for. They didn't pray, Lord, get rid of our enemies, move them out of the way, or even worse, you know, kind of like, get rid of our enemies. They didn't pray, Lord, make it easy for us or give us an easy path. They didn't pray for their circumstances per se. They prayed that in the midst of whatever the circumstances, that they would have boldness, okay? It mirrors again and again how the early church prayed. They prayed for everything, of course. And like we just talked about the Lord's Prayer, even in that petition, Jesus teaches us to give, uh, pray, give us this day our daily bread, to pray for all of our needs at all times. And Paul says later on in a letter to Timothy, he says that we are to pray for kings and those who are in authority. First of all, he says, then I urge you, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, 1 Timothy 2, and that, that we would have quiet lives so that we are able to live peacefully. So we pray for all of those things, and yet the New Testament again and again emphasizes a prayer like Acts 4, a prayer that starts here with what God's going to change in us and then how it's going to change the world, okay? So 1 Thessalonians 5 is another example where it's just very simple. Paul just exhorts and says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you want to know what God's will is? Be giving thanks and praying. But Paul gets more specific elsewhere. And the one text that we're really going to look at today is from the letter of the Ephesians, chapter 1, and a prayer he has for that church. And actually, we believe Ephesians was a cyclical letter. That means it popped around and they passed it around the churches in Asia Minor. So it wasn't just for this one church, but it was for the whole church in a lot of ways. And Paul has a specific prayer in that prayer. He does this in Colossians, he does this in Philippians, he does it twice in Ephesians, and I think the summary of that prayer, the summary of that prayer, 
is really three points that we're going to look at today. He prays that God's spirit would be in our hearts, God's calling in our lives, and God's glory in the world. That's basically it. Okay? So here's the passage. Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. Believe it or not, this is one run-on sentence. <laughs> Actually, the first chapter of Ephesians is like two sentences long in Greek. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The first 13, the verses up to this prayer is one sentence. It starts, blessed be the Lord God, you know. And now we get the second sentence starting in verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurably, immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come." We have to at least take a break there and make a sentence in English. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. One sentence. And again, notice what Paul does and doesn't pray for. He doesn't pray for their circumstances, and yet this church has been, and these Christians have been under persecution and struggle and trial. They're in the midst of a lot of idolatry going on, these temples, everything happening. They're in the midst of this culture. He doesn't pray for their circumstances. He doesn't pray for their political issues, their economic issues. He prays for something very simple, and he says, if you've got this, you're going to have everything. Really. He prays, again, that they'd have God's spirit of revelation, the hope of God's calling, and God's glory through them into this world. Those three things. Why? I kind of hinted, if you've got that, then you can handle any circumstances. You see, if you're just praying for circumstances, Lord, just make my life easy, which I do that a lot. I'll admit, I do. Oh, God, really? Does it have to be this hard? I don't know how many times I've cried out to God, and it is in the Bible all over the place, okay, that the Psalms have laments. That's the nice term for it, kind of whining, okay? I do a lot of whining with God. And um, anyways, but if I've got this, God's Spirit in my heart, God's calling in my life and God's glory that I see in this world, then I can handle any of the circumstances. If I don't, if I, when circumstances are good, then my life is more or less shallow and I'm dependent on things going well to feel good about my life and knowing who I am. And when things turn south and go badly, why is going south bad all the time? I don't know. Because I think it's kind of good to be in the south. Okay? But when things go south... Then all of a sudden I despair, as if, oh my goodness, the world's falling apart. But when I know God's Spirit is in my heart and I know deeply that I've got the hope of His calling 
and his glory in this world. And I understand that, what this prayer is. I'm good. I'm good. So first, we're going to look at God's spirit in our hearts. This is how he put it in this. He says that the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And here's the point. You don't believe on your own. Okay? You don't naturally believe. You can't exert enough effort or understanding. It's not about your smarts. It's not about your IQ. Faith is not an academic exercise that you have to figure out kind of like calculus. Thank you, Jesus, okay? And it's not also an emotional roller coaster where you have to whip yourself up into a frenzy so you have faith. Faith is a gift of revelation, a gift by the Holy Spirit. Now, there was this reformer named Martin Luther back 500 years ago, almost um, to next year when the Reformation started, and he explained the work of the Holy Spirit this way. He said, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ or come to him, but the Holy Spirit calls me by the gospel, enlightens me with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps me in the true faith. So Paul starts out in this prayer with a prayer of all prayers, the prayer of, Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to even believe, to receive any of your blessings. And once that's the prayer that we need to keep on praying, that's the prayer I think that 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray without ceasing. It's come, Holy Spirit, come, enlighten me, help me to understand. So here's a point, I think, with this too. If your friends are not followers of Jesus... Don't expect them to figure it out on their own, you know? And don't get frustrated with them because they haven't figured it out. <sighs> Man, they're just... But understand and pray that God's Spirit would reveal the truth through the gospel to them. That's the only way any of us... Don't think less of them because you didn't come to faith because you figured it out nor will they. They come to faith just like all of us as a true gift of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So pray that God's Spirit enlightens them and gives them that saving knowledge so that they understand the treasure, the glorious riches that we have in Jesus Christ. It's the only way it works. So pray for God's Spirit in our hearts. It's the prayer of all prayers. Secondly, like I said, God's calling in our lives. Now, you've been called. And it's not like a phone call. It's not like a, hey, how you doing over there? When God calls, he invites, he welcomes, and he draws to himself. It's really more closer to God's call is you're mine. It's an adoption. Now, this week, um, man, I heard an amazing story in our home huddle, and I got permission to share a little of this with you today. So Lisa and Mark Krieger, newer members here, just moved down from Wisconsin. They shared the story about their daughter, Madeline, whom they adopted at age four. Madeline was born in Belarus um, when things were falling apart, okay? And Madeline was born 
and abandoned by her parents at birth because she had such a bad cleft palate. And I think you can see a picture of it right here. And she was stuck in an orphanage for four years. Mark and Lisa were able to adopt her at age four as the first adoption out of Belarus. Isn't that amazing? And when she was adopted, they called her by name and said, you're now a Krieger and all that that means. Did she understand it at the time? Not at all. She doesn't realize, she didn't realize at age four the lifeline she was just thrown, the dead-end life she would have had there and the change that that made for her. She was called a Krieger. She didn't realize it, but she had been given the gift of life. Now, traumatized for those four years, just not only by the abandonment, by the experiences at the orphanages, Mark and Lisa faced decades of times with sleepless nights and temper tantrums and obstinacy and difficulty and surgery after surgery after surgery for their daughter. And it was difficult from panic attacks much more, but she started to grow. So from that orphanage, and you can show the next picture, she was one of the children that were just kind of left on their own. She then became a Krieger, and you can see as she's starting to grow up now. And there she is with the smile on her face. Boy, you guys were young, <laughs> right? Now I'm sure they didn't realize what they were all getting into. And there were times where they said, why? How could this be so difficult? I think we've all said that about our children, okay? But um, she ended up, they stuck with her. They made sure they willed into her that she would be their family, period, no matter what. She ended up finally graduating from Notre Dame. And... Praise God, this coming spring, she's now engaged to be married to a wonderful Christian man, and Mark and Lisa are going to celebrate a 20-year odyssey with her. Look at the difference. Isn't that amazing? Now, did she know that all the wealth, the riches, the beauty, the joy that was hers from the beginning? No. But the change that that made is the change that God, when he calls you, that's what he's doing. We don't understand it. We're like little babies knowing, hey, we've got a family now, but we don't realize the depth. Can you say today, are you ready to admit, kind of like, hey, I don't realize the hope of his calling that deeply, more like I'm a toddler yet in it, and there is so much more that is coming. Hey, it wasn't about you in one sense. It's not because you were pretty or smart or easy. God said, oh, this one's going to be an easy case. I'm going to take you. Not at all. He calls because he is so gracious and loving. And because I know he's done that, it's a no matter what. I love the line that they uh, shared um, uh, with Madeline probably hundreds of times, right, Lisa? Madeline, you are stuck with us, period. No matter what, there is no way you're going to get rid of us. We are family. And they had to say that through the midst of so many heartbreaks and so many trials. God is saying the same thing to you today. You are stuck with me, period. 
there is no way you're going to get away from me. I love you so much, no one's going to snatch you out of my hand. Do you realize what that means? Do you get the depth of that? You know who you are no matter what. It's not about your... Who cares what other people say of you then, comparatively speaking, right? You've got the honor of being in the family of God. You've got a relationship that will... It, does, it doesn't matter what's going to happen in this election. I can't believe I just said that. But seriously, it doesn't. Your eternity is set. The direction of this world is set. Your life is so secure. All the stuff that we get all caught up in needs to be put in that perspective and said, ha, this, right? I've got the Holy Spirit in my heart. I've got God's hope of his calling me no matter what. Right? Hey, it's a little humbling, too. The Corinthians thought they were pretty full of themselves. This one church thought they were everything. And Paul had to remind them what their calling was really like. He goes into the hope of this calling. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that... No human being might boast in the presence of God, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So as it is written, let no one, the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay? So are you prepared to grow into that calling and just receive it as the gift that it is today? Prayer is one way to just say, thank you, Lord, Give me the hope of my calling every day so I know who I am. So you're a Christian not because you're wise or strong or smart or got your act together. And what's great about all that, too, is it gives me, again, hope for my friends and neighbors and people that aren't quite there yet. You know, I can't look at somebody and say, oh, yeah, look at them. They're not the Christian type. <laughs> there is no Christian type. Do you get it? There is no Christian type. You can't say anybody's a hopeless case. You can't look and say, oh, there's no way that person's going to ever get... It's not about the... Per it's about God, his calling, his work by his spirit. Okay? I love that. So we've got hope for our neighbors and friends. And the hope goes even farther, and this is what amazes me even more. And that is the third point. And I think the slides, I have them out of order, I'm sorry. Um, but God's glory in the world, okay? He says, you might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's how he ends that. Now, what's interesting, if you look at 1 Corinthians 15, at, or verse 23 there, his glorious inheritance in the saints, it's his glorious inheritance in the saints. It's not my glorious inheritance in his saints. That's what I would expect. Put it this way, um, what do you get Bill Gates for his birthday? What's he going to say if he opens it up and goes, wow, thank you so much. I didn't, this is, I always wanted. Is a Picasso? <laughs> 
the island of Tahiti? I mean, what do you do for somebody that rich? Now think about it with God. He's got everything. What does he drool over? What's his treasure? What is he thrilled about? This verse is so shocking. I don't think we just kind of cry. His glorious inheritance is you. Do you understand that? He drools over you. He has said his future is now tied to your future. And there's nothing separate. He glories in us. The glory in the world is shown through his church. He, in fact, at the end says, that's what Jesus Christ now who will fill all in all, the word, the fullness of him who fills all in all, that fullness, that word is pleroma, and it means the fact that God is going to inhabit all of his creation, and that's his intent at the end. So um, as in Isaiah chapter 11, it says, the knowledge of the Lord the knowledge of the Lord will, the full knowledge of the, the <laughs> for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It says this in Habakkuk too. That is God's intent, that he wants to inhabit his whole creation and especially us, his people, his glory, his inheritance. He wants to inhabit us and that he is our sanctuary and we show his glory and display it to this world. Can you have a better future than that? Can you have more? Is there anything more than that God considers you the treasure of his heart? That's why I think um, David Martin Lloyd-Jones said, to the degree you understand that phrase, you will receive strength not to sin. It's another way of saying, the degree that you understand what you've got, these three things, God's spirit in our hearts, God's calling in our lives, and God's glory in this world, the less I desire anything else. And all the stuff kind of falls into place. I think that's great. Now, those three points. You might be saying to yourself right now, well, I thought this was supposed to be about prayer. We haven't even really talked about prayer itself. And I understand. Um, but I could give you advice on praying, but I think you need about good advice as much as I need good advice about anything, right? It doesn't do anything for me. I could tell you about techniques. I could say, hey, you might want to start a prayer journal. You might want to um, pray in the morning, get into the habit of praying, yada, yada, yada. I think the most important thing we get is not good advice, but good news. That's what we need more than anything else, good news. And when we have the good news, then we are more apt to pray and to figure it out. So yes, here's the advice I want you to consider. Pray this prayer for yourself. Pray, Lord, fill me again and again with God's spirit in my heart, deep down, so that this isn't just surface knowledge, this isn't just ideas, but that I know it at the core of my being, my identity is in Jesus Christ, that I know the riches of your glorious inheritance in me, that I am yours and you are mine, that I have been called no matter what, and you are never gonna get rid of me, and that is the ground of my being, Lord. And pray for that calling, that God will work that out in your life, and pray that God is glorified in this community world, so pray it first for you. Now, you might be going like me, I'm not that, you know, I love what, um, not that good about praying, actually. 
It's tough. I feel I'm still an amateur after doing it for 50 years or more, you know? Because I remember praying as a little child thinking I was really good at it, you know, at age four. Maybe I was. Maybe you never get away from being a child when you pray, but I'm an amateur yet. There's no professional prayers, by the way. So when I come over to your house, or you, you know, I'll pray, but realize mine aren't professional and yours are amateur. We're all amateurs, okay? I love what Ruth Haley Barton says in her book, Sacred Rhythm. She says, one thing, thing I know for sure about prayer these days is that we do not know how to pray. It is only the young in Christ who think they know how to pray. The rest of us know we are just beginners. So just let that go and still pray for these things in your life. Okay? And then secondly, please be praying for this church. Okay? Pray for this church that we have God's spirit in our midst, God's calling in our lives, and God's glory in this community. That's what we need more than anything else. We got that, we're good. We don't have that, I don't care what we got. You know, doesn't matter how great our worship team is, it doesn't matter how good anything else is. It's not about techniques, it's not about ideas, it's not about marketing. It's really about God's spirit in our lives, God's call, our spirit in our hearts, God's calling in our lives, and God's glory in this church and through us to this world. And finally, we need to be praying this for our community that God's spirit would be in our hearts, God's calling in our lives here in this Estero, Fort Myers, Naples area, and God's glory being seen in this world. And his glory is to have us his very own. It's not about building the biggest stuff or any you know, laser light show or any of that stuff. It's not about that. It's about being the family of God and being that, yes, we're going to be about helping people in poverty or brokenness, whether they've faced addictions or loneliness or abuse or they're going through illness. We're going to pray for all of those things. We're going to be doing all of that, and yet it still comes down to the prayer above all prayers is to pray for God's spirit in their hearts and God's calling on their life and God's glory through them into this world, because that's what he's after. Let's pray. Lord, I don't know what else we can do but to ask this prayer to become ours, individually, corporately, and through us to this community. Lord God, we're amazed. <laughs> you are stuck with us. You've promised and you don't take back your promises. You showed us for sure through how you gave everything in Jesus and he died for everything and he rose again to make sure everything that you said is complete and you will inhabit our lives and show your glory through us a little now and a lot later and we can't wait. So help us live in that hope live in our calling, live in your glory and your presence by your spirit. All this we pray in Jesus' name, amen.